This year has been an exciting year already. We have sort of tagged the whole year the call because this is, as you will know, our 25th anniversary year. And uh, so we've been doing a number of things celebrating. We've got some wonderful things happening in the autumn. Uh, but this year already, we've had Archie Kendall come here and preach. We've, we've had Mike Pilavacci. We've had a whole host of things. Uh, and the series that we keep revisiting uh, is the, t the title is The Call. And uh, we have been thinking about our call, you know, the, the, the signature verses about, of this place. Uh, and, uh, and recently we've been thinking about, very specifically about sharing our faith with others. The whole Walk Across the Room series was about that. And that theme will continue in one way, shape or form for the rest of the year. But a key verse related to that would be Luke 19 verse 10, wouldn't it be? And that of course says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You know, if you were to sort of try and distill down what Jesus was about, you know, he said himself, you know, whatever else you may call me, prophet, teacher, you know, la, 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 I've come to seek and save the lost. That's what the Father has sent me to do. And that can be, that, that is just a wonderfully succinct uh, reminder of who and what Jesus is about. And if you are in the habit of writing things in journals, Bibles, do that now. Just keep that before you. Because it's quite frankly, with the busyness of the church, with so much that is, uh, so many opportunities opening up to us these days, so many invitations to go elsewhere, it's easy to actually lose sight of what the main thing is. And the main thing is, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I love it. And I, and I ask myself, and I'll ask you, you know, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? What, what is the sort of defining thing about your life? You know, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What pushes you along? You know, what are you searching for? What are you yearning for? You know, what do you perceive that you've lost that you're trying to find? I can't help but smile, but a, a week ago I lost my car in Sainsbury's car park. Anybody ever done that? You know, I, I don't do that kind of thing because only old duffers do that. But I, I was down at the Saver Center and came out having bought something. I was in a bit of a hurry and I, I went over to where I thought the car should be and it wasn't there. And the first sort of thought was, what? Where's the car? What? And then I thought, no, wait a minute, I can remember driving in. I did. And I thought, Someone has pinched it, so then there's sort of feelings of outrage. You know, someone's stolen my car. I can't believe it. And then I think, no, no, calm down, calm down, don't panic. You've just parked it somewhere else. And at that point, I start to think, oh my gosh, I'm going old, I'm losing it, I'm completely losing it. So then I decide, right, let's be methodical about this. I'll start in one car corner of the car park. And I'll slowly walk back and forth like this until I find it. It's a good, I mean, rather than just running around like a headless chicken, let's, let's get this, you know, this is good man stuff. So I'm, I'm walking along, along trying, to, trying to look as if I'm waiting for my wife, you know. <laughs> when in fact I'm looking like this, where the heck's the car, you know. And I'm walking up and down, about three rows in. And there's this, this uh, lovely lady, and she's loading up the back of her, uh, her big SUV. Uh, she's an older lady, and she's looking at me, and she starts to grin, and she says, you've lost the car. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was doing so well. Is it that obvious? She said, you've lost the car, haven't you? And I said, 
and I had to laugh. I said, yes, I have. I'm, I'm not in the habit of doing this. I don't know what I've done with it. She said, well, have you tried the bleeper? And I said, well, yeah, I have. And I got the bleeper and I did that. And the car right there went, beep! <laughs> Honestly, she's there. I'm here. I do this. And this car goes, bleep. And it was then I realized that I was in my car, which is black. And I thought I was in Fliss's car, which is silver. So I was walking around looking for Fliss's car, and I'd forgotten that I'd come in my car. So she then bursts out into laughter, and I felt an idiot, actually. I mean, there's no, no pretending. I mean, I felt like a complete idiot. What are you searching for? What are you looking for? There is something, there is a yearning deep within us that, that, that presses and pushes, and, and, and whatever we have, Somehow, it doesn't matter how long we've saved for it or worked towards it, when we get it, there is a sense in which we know deep, 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 deep down, it's not enough. And as I told that story to Fliss and one or two friends, it seemed to me that the Lord was actually saying something to me about it. And I, he, you know, he does it with tenderness and a bit of humor too. But I suddenly realized that actually, it wasn't just that I found the car, but the fact that I found it right there, it was in my face. It was just not... I didn't, was looking for the wrong thing, I suddenly realized that God was saying, whatever it is you think you're looking for, whatever it is you think you're looking for, be it comfort, significance, relationship, purpose, power, influence, security, salvation, whatever, wherever you're going hither and hither or setting your plans, or to, it's actually right here in your face. You just haven't seen it yet. And it's, of course, it's Jesus. And that message might be for somebody here who's just as a visitor, just sort of come because they're staying with a friend for the weekend and they're just being courteous, just coming along to their church for the weekend. And you may not know it, but actually, it's no accident that you're here. And whatever it is that is that deep, profound sense of uh, restlessness, Actually, you are seeking for God and God is seeking for you and you are here by divine appointment. It may be that you've actually forgotten that. You know that, but you've forgotten it. Like I forgot my car. I know what my car looks like, but I forgot on that day. And it may be that you've wandered a little from the path and you've been drawn off into other things. Think life has happened and you've become distracted. And, and, and so the Lord has a little word for you. And if you forget everything else that I'm about to say, I'm going to do a little bit of teaching in a moment. But remember this, that actually what you're looking for is right here. And his name is Jesus. And that, I know, I just feel it in my spirit, is a message for someone here. Maybe just one person. But for someone here, that is a message for you today. What are you looking for? I'm right here, says Jesus. So anyway, we all, because we are his family, his kids, as, as we said at the end of the worship time, that lovely little moment of just savoring God's presence, because we are, as the Bible puts it, in Christ as sons and daughters, that means that actually we're part of the family business. This is something that Dennis and I have hacked out, a little phrase that we've worked on over years, isn't it? We are all part of the family business. And so that means that we all, we all end up uh, seeking and saving the lost, or we should do. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, I think probably one of the first choruses, Christian songs I ever learned, was, was one which, which was... Uh, 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I'd sing it if my voice wasn't a bit croaky this morning. So I'll save you that, uh, that terror. But, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, whatever your gifts and talents, your training, your experience would lead you to, and all of that is good. The truth of the matter is, if we get this right, if we seek God and his kingdom, if we make his priorities our priorities, the rest begins to work its way out. Truthfully, try it. And so we are called, you know, and that's why we taught the just walk across the room to be those that ha, who make a priority the reaching out to the lost, those who do not know Jesus. You know, we love our feed ministry, and you know, big applause to, to us all for raising the three and a half thousand and the extraordinary ministry that goes on in this place. It's one of the largest food banks in, the, in, in Hertfordshire, what we do here. It's extraordinary. You are amazing, you totally are. But it doesn't matter what we do, whether we give a loaf of bread or whatever it is, the priority is not just to feed the poor or comfort the lonely or, or to grieve with those who grieve, and all of that is part of the Christian you know, message, but the priority is to seek and save the lost because we're dealing with eternal destinies, and so we're all bound up in that. And I know that that is, is challenging it's challenging because we feel inadequate. We, we, we feel strength in certain areas, confidence in certain arenas. You know, we talked about comfort zones, that certain things that we feel, yeah, I can do that. You know, I can look after my grandkids, or I can, I can be a good uh, you know, a provider. You know, I can, I can earn a living for my family. You know, all these things are areas of competence and confidence. But when it comes to sharing our faith and being instrumental in leading others to Christ, very often we're like Moses in the desert in Exodus 3, where where God calls Moses to be the instrument that will lead his people out of Egypt who are a slave nation. And at that time, as you will know, many of you, he was just a, he was just a shepherd on the backside of the desert. And he has this encounter with God and, and God calls him. He says, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And there's this wonderful sort of conversation. You can read it in Exodus chapter three. And in the end, when all is said and done, when God has answered all Moses' objections, Moses simply says, ah, oh, couldn't you send someone else? And I think for us, the truth is, very often we're just saying, oh God, couldn't you send someone else? Couldn't you send someone else? And the answer is no, he couldn't. Because it's in his nature to call us his children to work in the family business. Let's look at a little passage now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. We'll just read through it. It'll come up on the screen, but if you're following on your Blackberry, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever it is, by all means, turn it up there. You may even have a proper Bible with you, which is nice and unusual. Let's just read this story. 1 Corinthians, and, and, and this is Paul, the great church-planting apostle, you know, who... Um, so instrumental in planting the churches to the Gentile nations. And he is writing to the Corinthian churches. And I, 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 before I read this, I perhaps should say this. The, the church in Corinth, it was a Greek church. It was a real mega city. It was that, a great melting pot of culture and intellect and education. Uh, it was a very, very cultured and uh, uh, affluent, 
there was, there was, uh, it was if, if you were going to be somebody, that's where you had to go. That or Ephesus. You, know, you could go to Rome, of course, but, but this was one of those sort of mega cities where you would go. And there were, they, they, of course, they didn't have um, iPads and iTunes and Facebook and Twitter and all these other things. So what they did, how they expressed their their, their uh, confidence and community, how they expressed, their, how they communicated, the things they loved to do was they, they loved to debate and discuss new ideas. And in Corinth, in that day and age, to be, to be somebody, you either had to be a politician or a major, uh, a major military figure, or an orator. They were the sort of David Beckhams of the day. The orators, they were the, the and, and you know, some people were fans of Aristocles or they were fans of Ophiocles, uh, and, and they would have these debating rooms. This, this is what intelligent, articulate people did for culture. And so they would debate the new ideas. So this is the culture into which Paul goes. And there's more I could say, and maybe we'll say about him and his approach in just a minute. But he's speaking to the Corinthian church, this embryonic church which turns out to be an awesome place, not without its problems and challenges, it has to be said. But he says this to them. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. Is that the end of it? Is that as far as I went? A little bit further, can we just? Great. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us our wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, what God is doing here, he's, 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 he's saying, look, I've given you your intellect, I've given you the, the fact that you can understand things, and, and by all means enjoy that. But the gospel does not depend on clever people. We do have clever people, thank God. Paul says, not many of you, which implies that some were, but many people were just ordinary people going about their daily business. And it was them that powered the gospel. So although, although I know, I find it in myself, sometimes I want to say to God, oh God, couldn't you send someone else? I don't feel very equipped for this. You know, I love you, but oh, please don't make me share my faith and... Seek and save the lost, Lord God. Please don't let me have to do that. I'll, I'll serve the refreshments. I'll do this, I'll do that, do the other. And it's all good stuff. But actually, we are called to be part of this divine rescue mission. God chose the lowly things of this world, not the articulate. And the reason for that is, is that God himself wants to take the glory. God himself wants to take the glory. Something else to note about this passage that we've just read. Three times it says God chose. It is God's initiative. This gospel, this good news, this Christian faith begins with God. 
Henry, in a beautiful manner, sung that little verse, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's God taking the initiative. God chose, God chose, God chose, and God chose you to be his instruments today. God chose you. And with that initiative, there's another reminder and that it's all about grace. And what Paul is saying here is that it's not about you know, where you got your training or whose disciple you were or meaning sort of um, uh, philosophical disciple or who, which, which, which political party you're part of or, or who was your noble mother and father, etc. It's all about grace, God giving us something. He's given us love and he gives us salvation. And of course, if you receive a gift, if you receive a gift that, that you don't deserve, we've all from time to time, once in a blue moon, been given something that we really didn't deserve, something nice, something pleasant. But if you're given something, you cannot boast the fact that you have this thing. And that's what Paul says here. You know, they, they, there was quite a lot of arrogance. You know, there, were a lot of, there was a cult of celebrity. I mean, we have this, it's been said too many times, I know, but we have this cult of celebrity around today. So there are people that you see in the magazines on the sort of bookshelves in W.H. Smith and the sort of, you know, the kind of, you know, the pop kind of culture adverts and, and uh, uh, magazines and things. And, and, and you, you, you don't know what they did, but you know that they're a celebrity. You can't remember what it was that they're famous for, but you just know that they're famous. There is a cult of celebrity and you think, what is all that about? And that was very much what was happening in Corinth. But Paul is making this point. He says, God has chosen you because you're not well known. God has chosen you to be his instrument. And God has imparted to you this gift of grace so that you may be generous with it to others. You give away what God has given you. The grace, the comfort, the mercy that you've received is not just to make you feel better or to ensure your, your, your life in heaven, but it's, it's there so that you can be generous with it. And because it's an undeserved gift, you can't boast about it. Well, yes, I worked this out for myself, and actually I found that if I do this, thus and so, and if you do this, thus and so, you'll do so much better and all this kind of thing. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. So... So Paul commends the Corinthian church, and I'm sure the Spirit of God commends us today, not to disqualify ourselves, but to realize that actually the way on from this moment in time is to be those that have this prayer in our heart, oh God, make me useful and use me to seek and to save the lost. Open my eyes, Lord God, to see those who, who are searching for you. They may be wealthy. They may be influential. Do not be intimidated because what you have is from God's own heart. It's something that he has chosen. I will read a little bit further. I wasn't sure I was going to have time for this, but I think I can just sneak it in because Paul's strategy is very interesting here. Now, remember that Paul himself was highborn. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he had all the credentials. He wasn't you know, like a Corinthian slave. He, he actually was the man. He also had a, an, a fearsome intellect, an awesome intellect. We know that because of his writings in this book. 
And yet he comes into this situation where it's all about pizzazz, it's all about the latest sort of you know, new idea, it's all about debating. No Facebook, no Twitter, no television, no none of this. No, everybody, when they knock off work, they pile into the debating hall because they want to hear the new ideas and debate it. It's what they did. Paul is able to do all of that. And yet in chapter two of 1 Corinthians, first few verses, let's just throw that up, thank you very much. It says here, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with human eloquence, with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus. He laid, if you just grasp this, Paul, he can compete. He can do this. In fact, in other cities, he did do this. But in Corinth, he puts that side to one side. He says, I'm just going to come in as I am. I'm not drawn on my sort of intellect. I'm going to come approach this from a different way. And he goes on. He says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. Hands up. The idea of sharing your faith with others being makes you feel weak and trembling and full of fear. Well, half of you do, and the others, you must be heroes. Great, wonderful. And the company of heroes here. And he says, you know, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. He, he decided not to play that game, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. Now, in this church... I hope you know this. If, you, if you're visiting, you won't know this, but we are very serious about training people in how to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we do at Essentials. Essentials 102, Essentials 103. Earlier on the air, we did a series called The Blessing. Richard and I and Dennis, we, we preached on the blessing, and it's just one of the simplest ways of imparting God's blessing and power to others. If you missed it, check it out in the archives. As a as a son, as a daughter, as one who is in Christ, in Christ, you can carry the blessing with you. And the blessing impacts and changes lives. It's extraordinary. It's part of our inheritance. That's been another word we've been exploring this year. All part of our call. We carry the blessing of God. It's something that can be imparted as we pray and sometimes lay hands on people. We can all do this. It's not the confine of the priest at the high altar in his mighty robes. It's something that has been given to God's people. So we can, we can, we can begin by praying for our neighbors, our colleagues and friends. Some of you, you may, you may not be able to sort of get all religious with them, but you may simply just be able to finish a conversation by saying, well, well Mike, thank you for sharing that. Wow. I had no idea. I don't know whether this will float your boat or what, but I'm going to go away and pray about that. Do you know, in the 30-odd years I've been doing this, I've become ever more bolder to say, let me pray a blessing on you. I have only once had somebody refuse that. And they were, that was when I was a, a, an Anglican priest at St. Andrew's Chorley Wood, and... A lady was coming out of the church. She was a stalwart of the church, and she was in a bad mood. And I said, wow, let me pray a blessing on you. She said, no, thank you. I'm quite fine enough. So the only person that's ever refused me praying was a Christian. 
What's that about? But actually, usually, what, uh, what, what is quite common is that when I, you know, and I'm talking about blokes, I'm talking about, you know, neighbors, friends, you know, they'll share some stuff. And I'll say, we just, God bless you. I mean, you're really going through it. I had no idea. Thank you for sharing that. Let me just pray a quick blessing. I'm not going to get weird on you. And, that, and that's usually very naff. It's sort of, God, you know, thank, thank, just thank you that Mike was able to share that with me now. And I, I just pray God's your blessing upon him that he'll have the wisdom to navigate through this difficult thing in his life or whatever there's appropriate thing. And usually people tear up. Non-Christians will say, I had it just happen recently. Somebody said to me, that's the nicest thing, they said this, that's the nicest thing that someone's ever done for me. Now I think that's a bit over the top. But they're touched by that. You can do this. Oh God, please send someone else. (laughs) No. Trust me. You can do this. It's what you're for. Weak, lowly, not of noble birth, but God has chosen you. And in the spirit realm, when you walk down the street, the demons step into the gutter to let you pass. Because you may not be aware of it, but you are wearing the finest of royal robes. You are wearing a prince or princess's diadem on your head. You may just be going about your everyday business, but in the real world, that is the world of which this is just a small part, you have his name on you. You have his mark upon you. And it's something that you're gonna take with you into eternity and has profound impact and import today. So, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the right things? Are you chasing your tail? Have you given up? Are you feeling exhausted? First thing you need to know, he's right here. And the second thing you need to know is, it's time to get with the program. It's time to take your place in the family business and to seek and to save the lost. Amen? Amen. Let's have the band up. Let's all stand and I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you because this year has been a celebration of of what you've done in us and through us over 25 years, but also, curiously enough, and I suppose not surprisingly, you've used it to remind us of who we are, to equip us for the future and for all the good things you're going to do. And so, Lord God, we ask your forgiveness as as a body of people, a body of believers, if we've been chasing our tails and chasing other things. We want to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and to get with your plan and your program. So, Lord God, we pray now that you would change us, you would cleanse us, you would forgive us. And for that one person, for that one person who needed to hear that you are here for them today. We ask your blessing, your mighty blessing, and all in Jesus' name. Amen.